Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We have been in a season and continue to, to there this morning in a season called Supernatural. Supernatural. Around here, uh, we do seasons, not series, and it helps us flow in what God wants us to do and what God would want us to say and how the service would, uh, how he would want it to go. And so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. Amen. And uh, this has been an encouraging series for me. I hope it's been a blessing for you, an encouraging season, because God doesn't want you to live a mediocre life. He doesn't want you to live. He did not send his son to die to live a perfect life, take on our sin, take it all on the cross, hang on the cross for six hours, bleed out. Die on the cross, go down to, to the depths of hell, take the keys to death, hell, and the grave, come back up after defeating the devil, come out alive, open the grave, alive, now he's alive. He didn't do all of that, then send us the Holy Spirit. He left, went up to heaven on the day of Pentecost, sent us the Holy Spirit. God did not do all of that so that you and I could just you know, you know, milly vanilly through life and barely get by and barely have any, any, any help from the Lord. That's not why God did what he did. And, and I read this a few weeks ago in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says what? It says the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Everybody say this. i, I I'm having you say a lot today because I feel like I'm trying to wake everybody up. Amen? All right, ready? Say this with me, and then and I'm going to preach. Say, I serve a supernatural God. You sound good. Now say this. Say, I live a supernatural life. God wants me to have the supernatural. God wants you to live a supernatural life. He wants you to, to be a supernatural person. When you got saved, the Bible tells us that, that uh, behold, all things became new. What became new? Your spirit. You are a new creature, which means you no longer operate just in the natural, but in the supernatural. And when you allow God to flow in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you, he takes your natural and puts the super on top of it. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, say better amen. amen. God wants you to live a supernatural life. Supernatural. You need to, you need to actively... Listen to me. You need to actively tap into, expect, and, and strive to operate in the supernatural. That doesn't mean the spectacular. Now, I'm, I'm setting my topic up today, so if you're hearing things I've said every week, just amen me for the third time. This is part three. You can just amen me for the third time because this is good for everybody to hear, even if you've heard it all three weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Listen, God will, will take your natural things and put it, put the super on top of it. I said this Wednesday night in, uh, in our time of prayer. It just came out of my spirit. I said, sometimes you have to look or close your eyes to the natural so that you can see the supernatural. We walk by faith and not by sight, which means I need to look for the supernatural, not the spectacular, not, I told the youth, you know, don't, don't look for Marvel, you know, the cinematic universe, Iron Man, 
Thor-type experiences. We don't live in that universe. We live in a universe where God sent His Son to die on the cross for us, to shed His blood so that you and I can have righteous standing with God Almighty. And that because I am righteous, the Holy Spirit comes in to live in me. And because He lives in me, then the Holy Spirit can flow out of me. When Jesus stood at one of the feasts, He stood up and He said, listen to me. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke. That's what the Bible says. This he spoke about the Holy Spirit because he had not come yet, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What's supposed to happen? Rivers of living water should flow out of me. Everybody say living. living. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but on my soapbox. All right, ready? I, I, it frustrates me when I see people that, that, that are uh, um, just, you know, I, the Bible says living waters. And they, they, they put themselves in a box and limit their life. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about believers. Sometimes people that are even baptized with the Holy Ghost, believers. That have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, full to the point of overflowing, yet they take their life and box themselves into, well, this is all I'm going to be. This is all I can do. This is what I'm limited to. This is as, as much as I'm going to do. I, I, I'm pushing as hard as I, I'm doing what I, oh, well, you know, I guess this is what God would have me do. Just, you know, I, 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 I'm living paycheck to paycheck, sickness in my life, whatever it is. And they just accept it. If you listen to what the Bible says, this is a book, a manual for profitable living. That your life should be profitable. I'm not just talking about money. There's a lot, a, several things that I would rather have more than money. I'll take money too. But you know, it's not all about money. Profitable living. And he says living waters should flow out of you. You should be a beacon of life. You should walk around, and I'm talking theoretically here, spewing out life. The things that come out of your mouth should be life-giving. When you rub it up against, you know, and I don't mean literally, rub up against somebody at work. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like when you interact with somebody, I can come across wrong. Some married people in here rubbing up against other people at, at work. Don't be doing that. Amen. Let me use a different terminology. When you interact with people at work, and you interact with them, and you have to, to, to uh, uh, talk to them. You have to deal with them, and they're negative. Don't stoop down to their negativity. Don't drop down to their uh, 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 woe-is-me lifestyle. You are not a woe-is-me believer. You're not a woe-is-me Christian. You're not a woe-is-me. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a Holy Spirit-filled believer. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You've got something in you that other people don't have, and you should look different. You should smell different. You should act different. You should talk different. You should have a little fire that comes out of you every once in a while, and they say, ooh, I don't know what's gotten into them. They're all amped up today. Let me tell you what it is. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost, and it's shut up in my bones, and I got to... That's how we should be. I'm not saying you have to yell and get all excited like I do. But there should be something in you that gets stirred up. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy, he said, stir up the gift within you that I put in you by the laying on of my hands. 
What he's saying is, is I imparted into you something you didn't have. Stir it up. Sometimes you have to stir yourself up. I'm going to help you today with something that is is not always talked about in most modern churches, but I'm going to go there. Because usually uh, when when the world decides to, to shut up something that God wants, I tend to go in the opposite direction. And I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that the World Economic Forum decided that, that, that one of the things that, that, that modern churches need to come against is speaking in tongues. Well, that's in the Bible. And the Bible says, as I go into this today, you'll see that one of the things that it does for us is that it helps build us up. And it's supernatural. It's a supernatural thing. When the Holy Spirit was given, he wasn't given so that we can have a just purely natural life. How many of y'all think the Holy Spirit is natural? Nobody. Because he's not. He's supernatural. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He he comes in. Again, the reason Jesus died and did what he did was so that our bodies could be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to reside in. That's why in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit the way we did. We, we do. It's not, you don't see that. Why? Why is that the case? Because they didn't have Jesus. That's why you have to look at everything you see in the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And I'm going to show you, I don't know how many points I'll get through today. Whatever we get through, I can finish it at another time. Since all of you are going to come Wednesday night. Maybe I can finish then. But, but my point is not to get through all 12 points today. The, the, the idea of the message today is to uh, encourage you to stir up what's inside of you. And that if Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, then there should be something living coming out of me. I should go to places and they should say there's something different about him. If I look like the rest of the world, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. He said you should be in the world, not of it. I shouldn't be of the world. I shouldn't look of the world. I shouldn't act of the world. I need to be in the world, but this Bible gives me instructions of how to live a profitable life that results in me being different. And one of the things that will help you is what I'm going to talk about today. Are you there in Acts chapter 1? Look at what happened in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verse verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Everybody say the promise. For the promise of the Father, which, Jesus said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. If you've ever wondered where the phrase comes, baptized with the Holy Ghost, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, you may have grown up in churches where they maybe talk against this subject. You may be in here today and you're a little uncomfortable right now because you grew up in a church like that. Guess what? I did too. Let me put you at ease because I'm going to show you the Bible. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you Bible. 
If you're watching online this morning, maybe you saw the topic or you saw the, uh, uh, the title and you thought it would be interesting and you came in uh, skeptical. I was skeptical. But when you realize that there's something in the Bible that Jesus talked about, just read to you, Jesus talked about, that the uh, apostles received, except for Judas because he hung himself, uh, that uh, 120 believers in the upper room received, and then all through Acts, they then imparted into other people. I think if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. If it's in the Bible, and I believe, the, you know, you can't throw out Acts. You can't, like, cherry-pick the Bible and say, well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for love. I'm for love. The Bible says love. And I'll talk to you about, the Bible actually says that love is greater than tongues. It's greater than prophecy. I believe that. I'm not saying anything, I'm not saying anything different. But you can't just say, oh, I believe in love, but I don't believe in that. Well, now, I believe in, in this one thing, but I don't believe in that thing. Oh, I, I, I believe in, in, in salvation, and I believe in everything in Romans, but I don't believe in those parts of Acts. I'm just not too sure. Well, just because you're not sure about if it's in the Bible and you believe the Bible, you have to believe all of the Bible. And this, this gift, look what he says. Jesus. You know, I consider Jesus to be an expert in the Christian faith. If Jesus said it, I'm taking notes. If the letters are read, I'm I'm good on it. You know what I'm saying? I I believe it. I'm going to take that down as uh, he knew what he was talking about. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Jew. I don't just believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he came to this earth. I believe he was who he said he was. If he said, I am that I am, he was that he was. Amen? And when he died, he was not just a man. He was very God and very man. I believe that. When he says something, I listen. He says, wait for the the promise of the Father. Then he says, John, who was John the Baptist. Remember, Jesus himself was baptized. After Jesus himself was baptized, you can go back and read this. Uh, in the uh, in the epistles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After he was baptized, he came up. What happened to Jesus? The Holy Spirit fell like a dove from heaven, came on him, and God spoke to him. Now notice, he says, "You shall be baptized." What does baptized mean? Fully immersed. Fully immersed. You shall be fully immersed with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Go down to verse eight. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. Power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What do we receive when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We receive power. It's not just about tongues. Even though I'm going to talk about tongues today. But the reason I'm going to talk about tongues is because it's a sign that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I did not just receive the ability to speak in an unknown tongue and, and to receive the many benefits I'm going to talk about today. That's not all I've received. I received power. What does that power allow me to do? What I cannot otherwise do. It's a gateway into the, the, the supernatural because it's a supernatural experience. It's not a natural experience. It's not something you can conjure up in the natural It's a supernatural experience. It's something that God gave to us so that we can experience the supernatural in our lives. 
Jesus himself said, when I leave, greater works will you do because I leave. Every time Jesus talked about leaving the earth, he was referring to the Holy Spirit coming. Think about that. He said, if I, I have to leave because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. You won't have the, 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 you know, the Spirit of God living inside of you if I don't leave. I have to leave. I have to die. I have to raise from the dead. I have to. Let's see what happens in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, if you go back, just for anybody that's curious, um, in the end of chapter 1, it actually says that there are 120 of them gathering in the upper room. All right, there are 100. Everybody say 120. Uh, I want to find it. Therefore, all these men, beginning from the baptism of John, I want to, I want to read it to you. Is it 15? And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. 120 were in the upper room. They waited because that's what Jesus had instructed them to do. Then in verse uh, chapter 2, we'll resume in verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. It sat upon each of them, every one of them. There weren't any left out. And they were all, everybody say all. all. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There you see, it, clear as day, this is supernatural. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to speak in tongues. It's not something that I do on my own. It's not something that I conjure up. It's not something I'm going to make fun of and just babble on and on. It's not babbling. It's something that comes up out of my spirit and comes, up, comes out of my mouth. It's a language that I do not know. But as you'll see, as we dive into this, you'll see it's a heavenly, heavenly language. 1 Corinthians tells us we're, we're not talking to men, we're talking to God. What is it? Look, look, look at the rest of this. As the Spirit gave them the utterance, verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men. It goes on to describe all the people that were there. They came out of this room so full of the Holy Ghost, the people there in Jerusalem thought they were drunk. And at the end of the chapter, chapter 2, uh, uh, Peter stands up, now full of the Holy Spirit, Full of the power. Why? Why does he have power? To be a witness. Everybody say witness. He has power that he didn't have before, and he witnesses to 3,000 people. 3,000 people were added to the church because of the power he received. Not just the tongues, but the power. Look on, uh, let's go on, because that's not the only time. Many, uh, um, you know, if you're, if you're like me and you believe in the Holy Spirit, Believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You hear that chapter a lot. But let's go over to chapter 8. Go over to chapter 8. Verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at... Oh, let me back up for a second. Peter, no, not Peter, Philip. Philip had just done a, uh, uh, basically like a, 
a, a crusade. He just had several people saved. Uh, um, there were, uh, 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 you know, he preached. Lots of people got saved. This is at the beginning part of the chapter. In verse 14, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, which is where Philip had gone, that they had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now notice, they were already saved. The people in Samaria received the word of God, and they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, they prayed for them. Who did they pray for? The believers in Samaria. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, for those that believe, there are people out there that believe that you receive all of the Holy Spirit you can receive when you're saved. There are people that believe that. I don't know how you get past this verse, and I'll show you more. I don't know how you get past that. Because Philip preached to them. They were saved. Then when the apostles heard it, they sent Peter and John to go have them be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you other examples. It's a subsequent experience. Is it required for salvation? I will say no. It's not required for salvation because Scripture doesn't instruct us that it is. But if Jesus, his, his death, burial, and resurrection, listen to me, this will help you. If Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was God's gift to the world, what does John 3.16 tell us? That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved who? Say it real loud. God so loved who? The world. That's God's gift to the world. God's greatest gift to the believer is the Holy Spirit. It equips me for what I'm doing. The Holy Spirit coming in, filling me, it, it equips me and gives me power for what I'm called to do. So God gave me salvation through Jesus. That's all I need to be saved. But if I want to be fully equipped for what I'm called to do on this planet Earth, on the time that I'm here, then I need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we didn't need them, why did God send them? If we didn't need them, why did God send them? Because I need them. You need them. We need them. And so he says here, do you see that in, in uh, verse 15? Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now what? Verse 16. For as yet he, the Holy Spirit, there we see that the Holy Spirit is a he. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. It's not an it. It's not a ghost. Even though we sometimes call him Holy Ghost, you'll see me, I usually try to use the word Holy Spirit because I think it's more indicative of who he is. He's the Spirit of God. For he had not fallen on none of them. He had yet fallen on none of them. They were saved, yet the Holy Spirit had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon made a big mistake here. He was a sorcerer. He had gotten saved, but he was obviously uh, money hungry, power hungry. And so he made a mistake here thinking that, oh, I can receive um, um, this gift, and then I can make money off of it. And he w was willing to pay for it. And uh, Peter rebuked him and said, no, you can't do that. Now, the reason this is important is because it doesn't clearly state here that they spoke in tongues. 
which some people have used to say, okay, well, see, you don't have to speak in tongues. What did Simon see then? Simon saw, it says that he saw, look, and and Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He recognized the power. Let's keep going. Look at in Acts 10. You'll see that that, uh, Peter went to, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius' house, went to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit can fall in the middle of a service, in the middle of preaching. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. I want you to notice something. This is not just a gift for the the Jews that were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles, those 120, they were all Jews. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me this morning? I'm helping you. This is really, really good teaching. What happened after they got saved? They got filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we see Gentiles. That's people who were not Jews. Cornelius had a a, a Gentile house. You and I are, are, unless you're Jewish in here, I don't know, but... But, uh, I mean, we're, we're Gentiles. We would fall under the Gentile category. They were astonished because this cemented the fact that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but he came for the Gentiles alike. He came for the whole world. He came so that everyone, and, and they, were, they were confirmed by this. If you go on to read chapter 11, they, uh, uh, Peter actually went back and said, hey, listen, We've got to change what we're teaching here because the Holy Spirit's not just for us. Look, they received the same way we did. How did they know they received the same way? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. That's how they saw. It was a sign. It was a sign. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 19. You can read both of that in 10 and 11. You hear that? Hear all about that story? Go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed, so this is Paul teaching this time, and he's at Ephesus. He says, then uh, um, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come. Actually, I think it would help you more if we go back to verse one. Let's go back to verse one. John, uh, not John, Acts chapter 19, verse one. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. Everybody say disciples. These were disciples. They believed in Jesus Christ. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much has heard. We have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. There are many people like that in America today. They have not even heard. They don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And we're talking about supernatural results, supernatural things that we want to happen in our life. Not spectacular, but I want to live a supernatural life. And Paul says, "Um, listen, If you've only received the baptism of John, you've got to know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Imagine how excited you would be if you were Paul and you're wandering through all these regions. I, I remember when I was in Spain, I studied abroad for four months. And every time I saw an American, I got excited. Like, I just, I didn't care whether we aligned, whether we were the, the I, I didn't care whether we were, because, um, I mean, I was in college at the time. I didn't care if you were another college student of a different, you know, like a, a Carolina Gamecock or what. I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care anything about you. I was excited to see an American. I was excited. Hey, where are you from? What city? What state? Hey, that's awesome. Hey, I'm from South Carolina. I mean, just trying to just talk to him. I mean, just excited to talk to someone who like speaks fluent English. You know what I'm saying? I can imagine Paul going and finding these believers, finding these disciples. And the first thing he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? I also want to challenge you with this thought. How did he know they hadn't? How did Paul know so quickly you haven't received the Holy Spirit? If Paul had, and he's, what did we say? There's living water flowing out. There's example, there's signs. I, I should look different, sound different. I'm not just any other um, you know, person who put on my social media profile that I'm a Christian, but I'm an actual Christian. I live it, walk it, talk it, believe it. If that's the case, he had to see in them there's something missing. There's something lacking. Now, Paul was also, I mean, this is Paul. So I'm not saying everybody goes around reading your mail. But Paul recognized that this was missing. So he says, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe in him who would come after John. That is, that they should believe on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul, verse 6, notice. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Paul laid his hands on them. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. I could also show you where Paul, uh, the Bible says, Ananias laid his hands on Paul. This is also in Acts. I believe it's, it's one of the early chapters. I believe Acts chapter 8, 9, or 10. I can't remember. Uh, what happened to Paul? Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's another example where it doesn't say he, was, he, he spoke in other tongues. But in 1 Corinthians, you'll read in just a second. It says, I, Paul literally said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I wish that you would speak in tongues. So I want to give you, now I don't know if I'll get through all 12. But I'm going to try to get through these because this will help you. These are 12 reasons. I hope you'll take notes this morning. I hope you'll write these down. These are really simple and easy to understand. I'll give you scriptural backing for every point. These are 12 reasons that you should seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 16, I'm going to read from the Amplified. It says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father... Jesus said, I will ask God, my father, your father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. Number one, God desires it for you. God desires for you. If Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, this is something that God desires for every believer. I just gave you all those examples from the book of Acts because I wanted you to see, number one, that it was for not just uh, uh, the apostles, 
but it was for the 120 that were in the upper room and then several, we don't even know the number, but all those people that they went and witnessed to after that, they then sought that, hey, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter uh, one, we already read that, right? He said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. Paul says, I wish that you all spoke with other tongues. And in Acts 2, chapter 38 through 39, Peter said this when he was preaching to those 3,000 people. He said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And notice this. He says, you shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. It wasn't just limited to them. Peter's explaining, this isn't just for us, but the promise, the Holy Spirit is for you. I mean, and salvation, he was talking about all of it. It's for you, your children, and all those who are far off. Number two, speaking in tongues improves your prayer life. Speaking in tongues improves your prayer life. It's a hotline to heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm going to read to you verse 2. It says, for if I have the ability to speak in tongues, it says, for if you, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Verse 14 says this, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. Now notice here, very important, Paul's clarifying if I pray in tongues. Everybody say pray. pray. One of the things that, that I think people, that trip people up about tongues is if you read 1 Corinthians 14, one of the things Paul's explaining is the difference between prophecy and tongues and interpretation. Okay? That's one of the things he's explaining. The other thing Paul is explaining is that there's a difference between public use of tongues and praying in tongues or singing in tongues. He's explaining there's a difference. He's explaining, if he says right here, if I pray in a tongue, or if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Pretty clear. I, I, if I'm praying, I'm not to understand what I'm saying. Now go through, read the whole chapter. He explains, if you give a public tongue in, in a service like this, if a tongue were to be given, that there should be one, two, or three that interpret, that it should be done decently and in order, that there should be an interpretation. Why? And he goes on to explain this. There would be no purpose in me standing up here and preaching to you today in tongues. Zero purpose. And Paul explains that. Zero purpose. It does nothing. It does nothing to help anybody. It's much better to prophesy. Preaching is actually a form of prophecy. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm edifying the body. I'm edifying the body. I'll explain to you edification in just a second in another point. But I'm edifying the body. So when you see someone praying in tongues, praying to themselves, on Wednesday night, sometimes I do that. I, I, or oftentimes I do that. I'm praying in the spirit. It's not to, to give a tongue and interpretation. I'm praying. What's happening? My spirit is praying. One translation says my mind is unfruitful. There's no, there's no fruit being produced. Why would you do that? And that's, a, that's a good question. Okay. 
I believe it. It's in the Bible. I got you, Pastor. But then why would I do that? The Bible says in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. How many of you have tried to do that? Honestly, I've tried to do that in English. I've tried to pray without ceasing. It's really hard. I'm doing good to get more than 20 minutes, man. And I'm a pastor. I'm full of the word and the spirit. I'm just telling you all the truth. I, I mean, I, maybe I talk too fast. I don't know. But I mean, I, I mean, I could pray it out in English. Pray for my family. Pray for my pastor. Pray for our church. Pray for you. If you've given me prayer requests, I can go through those. Hit up some other things. Maybe some current events. Hit those up. Pray for our government. Pray for our, our, our president. Pray for our, our governor. Pray for our state. Pray for uh, um, our school board because that's big for me. That's about 20 minutes. Maybe 25 if I, if I really am into it. Really, that's, that's about it. But if I pray in the spirit, I can elongate my prayer life and I'm praying out, another verse says I'm praying out mysteries. I'm praying out mysteries. So why, why do you need this? Because your prayer life can be heightened. It can go to another level. It can go, you can pray out things in the spirit that you don't even know. You, you don't have to know everything. And you can cover things in the spirit. Oftentimes I'll say that. Like if there's something that's really troubling me, something that's really discouraging me, I don't want to pray doubt and unbelief. I don't want to pray against God's word. So I'll pray simply in English. I'll put it before the Lord because the Bible says to give heartfelt, earnest request. So I have to do that. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out before the Lord. Then I'll say this. Heavenly Father, I don't know what else to pray for in this situation. This is troubling me. It's bothering me. I'm emotional about it. I need to get my emotions out of the way, and I need to pray in the Spirit. And Lord, I'm going to pray this out. I'm going to pray out mysteries. I'm going to let my spirit do, do the praying. He says, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since, you, since people won't be able to understand you. Uh, you're praying the perfect will. An another verse tells us that that the Holy Spirit will intercede for you with groanings you can't understand. Most Bible scholars believe that's talking about tongues as well, or just talking about praying in the Spirit. And sometimes, you know, you can pray in the Spirit and pray in English, but you can pray in the Spirit and pray in tongues. What's the point? That my Spirit is doing the praying. My Spirit is leading my prayer life. I know this is a little deep this morning, but I, I, I believe that this will help you. And I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job during this supernatural season if I didn't help you experience and help you understand why you should experience one of the greatest supernatural benefits that you can have. I mean, I'm talking about supernatural prayer life. That your prayer life is no longer, if you've ever wanted, man, I wish I could pray more. I wish my prayer, I wish I could get in and really leave my prayer closet and feel like I touched heaven and feel like the spirit of God came down. And maybe you get there once or twice in your lifetime in English, and you're like, well, that, I, how do I have that happen? I, I, I experienced that this morning. Why? Because I made a point to pray in the Spirit. Then when we got here in service, they were wanting to check my mic. If anybody was in this room, you watch it. I didn't do it on purpose. I just started praying. I prayed in English. lasted about, what, two minutes, Darrell, something like that. And I'd already prayed, so I pretty much prayed it out. I started praying in the Spirit right here. They were testing my mic. I wandered back and forth for about... 10 minutes or so while they were testing my mic and man, I hit a gusher. I mean, it was like, I mean, I just felt the spirit of God come in, felt the spirit of God on me spirit. I knew this would be a good service. I knew this would be 
anointed and spirit-filled. Why? Because I, 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 pray, I can only pray so much in English, but I prayed out in the spirit things I didn't know. Things I can't, I, I mean, just, I just let my spirit do the praying. Number three, this will really help you. Speaking in tongues edifies your soul. It edifies your soul. What does edify mean? Edify is to instruct or improve someone morally or intellectually or spiritually. Instruct or improve someone morally, intellectually, or spiritually. That's what edification is. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says this. If you haven't picked it up yet, 1 Corinthians 14 is a great reference for tongues. He who speaks in a tongue, this is verse 4, he edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Again, a majority of this chapter, he's trying to clarify what does prophecy do? What does tongues and interpretation do? And it edifies you. When you speak in tongues, you are edifying your soul. That means when you speak in tongues, you are edifying your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and emotions. You're strengthening mental faculties and memory. You are also edifying your will, getting it in line with God's will. How many of you want to know God's will? I want to know God's plan for my life. I want to know what he... I, when, I, when I pray in tongues... Let me give you another scripture. I don't know if this is in here or not. Y'all might have to pull this one in. In Jude, the book of Jude, there's only one chapter. Verse 20. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. It says, praying in the, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, right? Praying in the Spirit. Do you have it? Building yourself up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Spirit. Building yourself up by praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit builds you up. It stirs up your faith. Amen? I think that is another point in here somewhere. Start by stirring up your faith. All right? Speaking in tongues edifies your soul. Verse 5. of I'm back to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 5. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless... Indeed, he interprets that the church. Now, why is that important? Because he desires that we speak in tongues, but in a church setting that we prophesy. Make sense? Make sense? So why did uh, Paul go on to say at the end? He says, so what's the conclusion? I will pray in the spirit and I'll pray in my understanding. I'll sing in the spirit and I'll sing in my understanding. That's verses 15 and 16. So even though Paul says that we should desire prophecy more, it says that we should speak in tongues. Uh, and at the end of verse 13, where Paul talks about love, he says, desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. All right. Verse number four. Uh, verse number four. How about number four? Number four. <laughs> you give thanks well when you speak in tongues. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well. He's, he's saying when you speak in tongues, you, you're giving thanks well. Look at, um, we just read verses 15 to 16. What is the conclusion? I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit. And I'll sing with my understanding. I'm going to keep going for sake of time. Ready? Number five. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural rest and refreshing. It's a rest and refreshing. It refreshes you. It recharges your spiritual batter, battery. My, my phone, every night, I charge it up. 
Anybody else do that? You charge up your phone. You stick it in the socket and you, you say, hey, the battery's low on this, but in order for me to use my phone tomorrow, it needs some juice. When you pray in the Spirit, it will supernaturally refresh you. It will supernaturally restore you. Look at verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. He's quoting Isaiah. If you read all of Isaiah 28, which he's quoting, it talks about stammering lips of another tongue. This is a prophecy from Isaiah. And the whole point is he says that in verse 12, you may cause the weary to rest and there will be refreshing. Um, Jesus, I'm going to say this. Jesus is our Sabbath. What's Sabbath? Rest. When you spend time with Jesus, when you spend time with the Spirit of God, it causes you to rest. It causes you to be refreshed. It causes you to be, be, be stirred up with what you need to do, what God called you to do. Praying tongues will alleviate frustration. It will alleviate anxiety. It will alleviate turmoil. It will alleviate depression. It will alleviate. Why? Because what's happening? My spirit is praying. My, the spirit of God is, is, is helping me pray. I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm spending time in his presence because I'm praying out the perfect will of God. I can't do anything wrong. Right? So what's happening? God's coming into wherever I'm at, speaking through me. I'm, I, I'm speaking out directly to heaven. I'm speaking to God, not to men. Not to myself, not to my head. I'm speaking to God. He comes in and refreshes me. Refreshes me. Look at John uh, chapter 7. This is what I quoted earlier. John chapter 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. One translation says, or the King James actually says, out of his belly, out of his heart, out of his innermost being. What's, what's your innermost being? It's not talking about your literal blood pumping heart. Living water doesn't run out of that. But your spirit, where God recreated you and prepared a place for the Holy Spirit. That's where the living water uh, comes from. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'm going to end there for today. I've got several other points, but I think you've heard enough on, 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 on uh, enough support for why. Why? Why should, why should I desire that? Let me, let me tell you now. I'm going to take that verse down. Let me help you now. I'm going to help you with how, how do I experience it? How do I experience the Holy Ghost? How do I experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do I access what you're talking about? Number one, you must be saved. Number one, you have to be saved. You have to say, I was a sinner, but God saved me and, and gave me right standing with Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, I, gave, I received right standing with God. And so after salvation, you're, you are right with God. The Bible says you're washed clean. And so you can receive the Holy Spirit. 
There's no, like anybody that tells you you have to be in a certain, like you have to tarry and you have to do all that, that's not biblical. The only reason they waited is because the Holy Spirit was set to fall on the day of Pentecost. 50 days. 50 days. Seven weeks in a day. Seven times seven, 49, and one day. That was the day of Pentecost. It was already set in motion from the day that Jesus died and rose from the dead. When he rose from the grave, what we celebrate is Easter Sunday. 50 days from that is the day of Pentecost. That's why they had to wait. It wasn't that you, you have to wait. It's not like, okay, well, if I get saved, I got to wait 50 days. No. If you're saved, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues, and you should. Now, what, 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 what does that feel like? Or what is that? Do not, I've been saying it for three weeks. Listen to me. Do not seek the spectacular. If you do, if you have it in your head that you're going to spin like a top and backflip and be elevated up in the air, it's not going to happen. Also, don't think this. Do not think that the Holy Spirit is going to take hold of your tongue and make you speak in tongues. It's not biblical. I've given you, I didn't go through all my scriptures but I gave a ton of scripture today. A ton of scripture. As a matter of fact, I know I lost some of you in all the scripture, but I wasn't preaching to you, I was preaching to the one today who were hungry. And I know there are people here today that want what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's not gonna take your tongue and arrest you and make you, and make you speak in tongues. He's a gentleman. The Bible says that out of your belly, that it's going to come out from the inside, that you have to speak. But the Bible says this in Acts chapter 2, right? The Holy Spirit gave them utterance. What does that mean? I, I, I only know what to speak because the Spirit's helping me. The Spirit's giving me utterance. So if I were to speak in tongues, if I were to pray in tongues, if you were to hear me do it, it's not, I, I don't have something in my head. I'm not just babbling. It's coming out of my spirit. Amen? So, number one, what do you have to do? You have to ask. You have to ask. Jesus, while he was still on this earth, he made it super clear. He said, if you being a heathen, if you being evil, actually is what he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Holy Spirit give you, or how much more will my Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? Yeah, you let him, let him play a little bit. How much more will the, my Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? How much more? He's saying, if you know, just bring him down a little bit. If you know how to give good gifts, my Father knows how to give. My Father knows how to give an even better gift. A gift that will bless you all the days of your life. A, ble- a, a gift that will bless your life better than I, you, you have salvation and one day when you die you will go on to spend eternity in heaven but while you're here on earth let the Holy Spirit equip you let the Holy Spirit give you power so what do you have to do be saved then you have to number one you have to ask number two you have to be open you know if you've received I, I, like I said I grew up I received teaching they weren't really like adamantly against the 
Holy Spirit or whatever, but they weren't for it. And so it was like this misnomer teaching, like they just weren't really sure how to teach on it. So they, they taught against it by not teaching on it. Does that make sense? You might've grown up like that. Don't, don't believe something that's contrary to the Bible. I gave you as much scripture as I could today in a sermon that was probably a little too long, but I was trying to help you today that you need the Holy Spirit. And that all you have to do is ask. And that whatever, uh, uh, whoever told you that, that, that there's, there's a, 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 some hoop you have to jump through to get it, they're wrong. It's not in the Bible. All you have to do, the only hoop is be saved. That's it. Be saved. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait. Just ask him. Now, I'm going to close the service and dismiss. But we're going to keep this atmosphere right here. We're not going to play. The, uh, y'all hear me at the back? Y'all hear me? We're not going to play the upbeat music and all that. Keep this music going. And I'm going to pray for anybody who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. I'll pray for you. The Bible says that they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I'll do that today. Amen? I'll do that with you. If, if you don't want to do that, and I know there are people like this because it happens. I don't know why this happens to me all the time, but it does. It must be part of, part of my ministry. I don't know but I'm just flowing in whatever God told me to do. But since I used to preach to young adults, I would have people tell me, I went home and I got on my face before the Lord and I asked him to fill me with the Holy Spirit and started speaking at tongues in my car, in the, in, in, on my floor, in my bedroom. What, what, I had one college student come and say, I was in my dorm room and I was so nervous that my, my, the other person in the dorm room would hear me and wonder what I was doing. Don't be nervous. Don't, I, don't, I wouldn't care what anybody else thought. Even if you're married and you have a spouse and they're like, they're unsure about this, do you want the Holy Spirit or not? Get filled with the Holy Spirit and let them experience it for themselves. It, it'll help you. It'll bless you. It'll enrich your life. I promise you, it's one of the things that changed my life. When, when, when you see me get all amped up, I, I actually, this is a true story, uh, I've, I have pretty much given up caffeine. I've had a little bit recently. And the reason, one of the reasons is because I don't feel like it's good for you to feel your heart beat. I don't think you're supposed to be able to feel your own heartbeat. I think that's like a, a, good, <laughs> a good indication that, you know, you got too much, you know, something in there. So uh, the, the Lord was dealing with me about that. Well, what's interesting, as, as that happened, and as I've pretty much had almost no caffeine, um, over like a week and a half now. You know, when I get excited like I do, it's not, it's not caffeine. It's not something natural. It's that I start preaching the word of God and that river that's inside of me gets stirred up. It gets stirred up. It gets stirred up. I, I, I often tell people on, on Wednesday night, when we leave these Wednesday night services, I, I start at like 6.30 and I'm ready to go to bed. We do the service at seven. And by the time I leave the service at eight o'clock, I can't go to bed. I can't go to bed. I shouldn't say I can't, but you know what I mean? It's harder to go to bed because I just, I have that river flowing. And we've prayed, we've prayed as a church family and it energizes me. It does something to my, 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 my mind, will and emotions. They're, they're changed and altered because of what's in here. Not because I chugged a, Red Bull, but because I let what's in here come out. 
That's why I get frustrated when churches just keep the Holy Spirit in the back room and well, we believe in tongues, but we don't teach on it. You're, 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 that, that's, that's an... Ab- Why would you do that? Why would you keep that, have that gift in your life and keep it from people? Why would you have a gift and not share it with anybody? This has changed my life. I pray better because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I can pray in other tongues. I, 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 I flow in the supernatural in my life, not because I'm some spectacular person or I have some. I promise you, I'm as plain as any other man. But I let the Spirit of God do what, he, what He's supposed to do. And I let Him move in my life and I'm a better father because of it. I'm a better husband. I'm a better pastor. I'm better because the Holy Spirit is here to give me power to do what he called me to do. And that gift, I want you to have it. I want you to have it. I don't want you to leave here today. If you're like, I want that gift, I'll pray for you today. And I believe the Holy Spirit will come in and fill your life. The first thing we need to do is make sure everybody's right with God. Stand up on your feet. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, here's your moment. If you want the Holy Spirit, this is the first step. To receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're in here, you've never had Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need him. If you've gone astray, you've gone, uh, you need to rededicate your life, we might call it that. If you're either one of those two types of people, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna say a prayer together. Now, when we say this prayer, don't just recite it like it's some nursery rhyme. Believe it. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for real. For real. Let him come in and change your life. What happens? Your spirit is made new. And you'll say, you know what? I don't want to do, you know, some people are so concerned. Like, well, I just need to get my life right before I get saved. No. Get saved and God will help you get your life right. Get saved. Say, Jesus, I want you to be number one in my life. I am so far from perfect. I'm so far off the map, but I know if I give my life to you, I'll start walking towards what you have for me. And these things in my life that are weights and barriers and problems, I know you'll take care of them. Say say this prayer like you believe that, and Jesus will come in and make you new. And you'll be saved. What does that mean? Saved from an eternity in hell. Saved from eternal damnation, eternal darkness, and you'll spend eternity in heaven with me and with every other believer on planet earth, worshiping God for eternity. Then you can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up. And it's a simple thing, simple thing. Just ask him, fill me up. And out of your belly, will flow rivers of living water. Your life will be different. You'll be ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're one of those two types of people, I'm asking you to signify yourself, to let me know because we have material, I have a Bible and have stuff that I want to give you. I have little books that'll help you and uh, we have them in the back ready to give them to you. So I'm not asking to embarrass you or put you on blast, but if that's you today and you want to be saved, you want to rededicate your life or accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now and let me know. Let me know. If you're online, 
Let us know. Send us a direct comment or write saved in the comments. Send us a direct message or write saved in the comments. Everybody look at me. And everybody say this prayer out loud. Say it out loud like you mean it and you're proud of it. Even if you've been saved for 30 years, say it. Say it with us today. Say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to Him. I make Him Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby, lived as a man, a sin-free life, but died on the cross for me, for my sins, for my unrighteousness. But I believe on the third day He rose from the grave. I believe He's alive. He's seated in heaven with you. And I open up my heart. I open up my life for him to come in and make his home in me. Make your home in me, Lord. Today, I'm a new creature. I turn towards you and turn away from my sinful past. I thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me of all my sin and all my unrighteousness. I'm a new creature. I give you my life. And I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.